You're listening to Cards and Cubes, a show about board games that you didn't grow up playing. On today's show, we'll be talking about some games played, followed by some upcoming games. And that's it. This is episode number 30, and we are your hosts. I'm Brandon. I'm Christo. And Justine is not joining us this time. Maybe we should just say she's one of the brave teachers that is doing a stressful job during a stressful time. So she'll be coming and going as she pleases, and we'll support that. But Haristo and I are here, and we've actually been gaming together. You think we're going to say that anytime soon, Haristo? Yeah, it's kind of surprising, actually. I mean, I was expecting to maybe play with you some at some point, but maybe not. Uh, maybe at your house is actually what I was expecting. So that's kind of different. Yeah, so I went back to work, which is a game store, and I worked the night shift slow. So we'll play some games. We're masked up, and we uh, have hand sanitizer sitting on the table. So I don't know. I feel pretty safe. And outside of that, we're all distancing so yeah we play with two other people another employee and then a friend of ours so it's uh it's been nice you know i kind of expected for some reason like when i'd go back to gaming with people that it would be like the whole group and it'd be like this great reunion but it's not how things happen nowadays they're kind of slowly we're like slowly being introduced to normacy right yeah, I didn't really expect it to be happening at the same time. I expected something like this, actually. So, yeah, not even in the store. I thought we were going to just play like two or three people at a time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're going to have a shorter show this time. No topic, no top three. We've been playing a lot of games, so we're going to talk about a lot of games and then a few upcoming games. So let's get into it. Let's talk about some games that we've played. All right, so uh, the first game that I was going to talk about is Rocket Man. Um, if I was thinking about playing this game uh, to try it be- while the Kickstarter was going on. It's a deck building game by Martin Wallace, actually, uh, of all people. And uh, the Kickstarter was about two or three months ago now, maybe more, actually. It's been a long time since I've looked at it. But I wanted to play it initially during the Kickstarter, and then we kind of never got around to it. I read the rules back then, and uh, we finally got to play it on Tabletop Simulator this week because it's not out yet. And actually, it's kind of funny, the mod, which uh, basically the person who uploaded it to Tabletop, the game wasn't finalized yet. So some things don't quite match up perfectly with terminology and they've been changed and uh, some things have been changed. Uh, The rulebook is pretty horrible, actually, the one that's online. I don't think it's going to be final, though. It doesn't have any examples. It doesn't explain things completely. It's just kind of a little bit of a strange experience learning the game. But we, uh, I'm pretty sure we played it correctly. Everything worked out in the end with uh, some confusion and looking up stuff. Uh, the game's pretty interesting, actually. Um, it has a very unique kind of push your luck mechanic. Basically, it's almost like, I don't know if it's even deck building. It's almost like deck building to build a little bit of a tableau and then use up that tableau to basically launch a, a rocket 
uh, to a destination and then that tableau goes back to your deck so it's kind of like you kind of build a deck to launch missions uh, one at a time though um, kind of an interesting concept uh, you can go to different destinations uh, the moon earth orbit and mars and each destination has tokens so it's not like traditional deck building games where all you have to worry about is uh, the contents of your deck well kind of there are uh, some things on the cards which you have to worry about for the different destinations where, where you're going so the game has kind of a, a little bit of a curve i guess that way so the earth atmosphere or not earth atmosphere earth uh, orbit missions are pretty easy and uh, they require a certain symbol but if you build your deck around doing a lot of them uh, that symbol is pretty much useless for the moon and mars and there's increasing points to be had there so it's kind of a really interesting game of kind of optimizing just enough to get you to the next stage kind of um, otherwise it's kind of a traditional i guess deck building game with uh there's a market of five cards so you kind of just buy better and better cards as the game goes as the game goes on like i say the uh, the unique thing about it is uh building the missions which is the tableau part and matching those symbols which kind of gives it a little bit of an interesting curve most deck building games are kind of like i feel like uh one dimensional to some extent you pick a direction and you just like follow it you know through the end so it just like just kind of gets larger and larger uh whatever the direction you're picking this one you kind of have to switch directions so hopefully you're, you that that makes sense um yeah i i don't know i think i liked the game um the push your luck mechanic worked out for both of us i kind of wonder about that because uh, when you launch a mission, there is a deck of cards which you start kind of top decking from, and it has zeros, ones, twos, and threes, um, mostly ones and twos, but a couple of zeros and a three, and you're trying to reach basically kind of this, uh, you're just going up a track, uh, so you reveal a certain amount of number of cards. There's some mitigation actually, uh, pretty good mitigation with uh, the zeros can turn into twos with a card if you have it, uh, stuff like that. You can discard a really bad draw with another card if you have it. So there's, there's cards to mitigate, but ultimately it's push your luck. And I feel like the game rewards you to, um, to push, uh, like to not mitigate too much like i feel like if you push just a little just enough um you're probably gonna win the game but i feel like the consequence of failing uh for those missions is pretty large like i the, our game was pretty close it was just a two-player game but i feel like if some either one of uh, of us had failed a mission that would have been kind of the end of the game for them so i kind of wonder if that's kind of a good mechanic to have in a game like that but um kind of different vibe with two people though because uh it's kind of a race game so both of us were kind of mitigating a lot and waiting a lot so i think in a three or four player game the rush would be much more and maybe people would be failing a lot more uh and trying to really push it kind of so i kind of wonder how it would be with three three or four um, overall, I liked it. I would play it again. I'm not sure if I'm going to rush out to buy it. Uh, I was 
just kind of interested in what kind of deck building game Martin Wallace will design, and now I know. So <laughs> that's Rocketman. Yeah, you know, I almost talked about this a while back on uh, games looking forward to, but I realized it was a Kickstarter. I tried not to talk about Kickstarters because uh, I don't back stuff, and then it's it, and it's yeah. not going to come out for another year. Uh, this one looks like it might come out sooner, though. The campaign looks like it ended on the 5th of February, um, but you can go to the Kickstarter page and actually pre-order it. Um, hmm. I don't know if you're getting anything exclusive in it, though. Uh, I don't think so. That's why I don't think I really backed it or pushed a lot into reading what it is before, because I think it's going to have a retail release and it's going to be just fine. There, yeah. There's nothing missing from it. I think you can just order it. But yeah, I'm surprised it's a year from now. I thought it's going to be two or three months for the Kickstarter, but maybe that's just the Kickstarter orders. Maybe it's there's going to be another production run later. I don't know. Oh, no, no. Let me clarify. I don't usually talk about Kickstarters because they're like usually a year out. Yeah. You know what I mean? This one does look like it's going to be coming out sooner than later. Um, yeah, I was excited about this. I'm uh, glad to hear you found it interesting because I definitely want to play it. Yeah, if someone gets it, I'll play it, but I don't know if it's a game I would own, really. Uh, it's fine. It says on BGG that it's hidden roles. Is that is that a thing? <laughs> hidden roles? Oh, there's a mission that you have that's hilarious that they put that as a hidden role. Uh, basically, it's a personal goal. Uh, you're focused, like I was, oh. uh, we have like specific, like do this kind of mission on the moon and this kind of mission on Mars. And if you're first, you get two extra points, that, that kind of stuff. That's the only hidden thing that I know of. That's kind of pretty ridiculous that they put that as a hidden roles yeah i mean it's like a hidden objective but maybe they yeah, don't have that mechanism <laughs> uh, all right so i played uh a game i talked about last week last show uh mariposas by aeg and elizabeth hardgrave um it's defined as a grid movement movement points set collection game i might add hand management in there I might also call it an abstract game. I would definitely call it a multiplayer solitaire game. So what you're doing in the game is you have three seasons and it's mocking what these monarch butterflies are doing, which is uh, they're flying, they're migrating from Mexico to Canada and back to Mexico again. Uh, interesting fact about monarch butterflies is not a single one butterfly makes the round trip but millions are taking the round trip so they're mating in between and and birthing uh other butterflies and the game is trying to mimic that you know it's kind of like elizabeth hardgrave's like thing right she's taking nature and trying to teach you kind of how some of that works in a board game but uh this game is your you have some card you have two cards in your hand and you play one of them and the cards are movement and there's a grid on the board and it has a bunch of different flowers and some other spots as well some like city spots and uh the cards have what how you can move and you'll have you start with one butterfly but then you can make more butterflies on certain spots and when you play these cards down it might show like two butterflies one having moving two spaces, one moving one space. That's one example. You can use uh, 
the card as for for one butterfly so you're doing three movements but it shows you how many times you could land and that's important because if you're going five movement then you're just going over stuff and you're wherever you land is what you get and you're collecting flowers it's a set collection kind of aspect to it so if you have a card that is uh three like spaces it means that you're landing three times picking up flowers what you're trying to do is basically like uh multiply your butterflies and get these flower tokens by landing on the spots and when you get a certain amount of them you could turn them in at certain spaces to uh, get another level butterfly so number one goes to a number two obviously into three and then into four and the fourth one you has a flip side and it's a double four why this is important is because on the last round of the game you're really trying to get all your fours down to Mexico and for every one that you get in there it's going to give you more and more points there's also another kind of set collection aspect to it where there's these cards that you can get and those cards will give you either in-game points or an immediate kind of benefit if you collect the whole set of them and there's uh, I think four rows of these colored cards and you go to cities to get those things it's pretty straightforward game. Um, I don't know if I don't think I love it. I'm. I don't know if I even like it. I mean, it's fine. It works fine. Um, it's it like I said. It's multiplayer solitaire. There's not much interaction with the players at all. Like you don't even block spaces. You know, you can move through and even land on the same space. I guess the only thing is that if you make it to the cities before everyone else does, you get to roll a die that gives you an extra flower. That's it. That's the only thing you're kind of racing for. I found How the, do you get cards? Uh, you just draw. Brandon? You play one, you draw oh, one. Play one, draw there's one. There's not even a drafting or anything like that? So no. No interaction there either? No drafting. So there is... Uh, three sets of cards that you put in and they're all there well there's several sets of cards you could put in the different um, games it kind of makes it a like replayability and these cards are just like extra an extra card you could have in your hand that you could play on your turn and they're kind of better actions I guess you get you could get those from visiting various cities um, I, I thought the game was worked like pretty well throughout I was enjoying it until the very end when you're getting all of your butterflies down, back down to Mexico. It's kind of a race and that's fine. You know, I like the, the puzzly nature of trying to figure out how to multiply my butterflies as quick as possible to turn them into fours or even turn them into double fours and get down and score those points. But here's the thing. Luck of the draw is huge in this game because if it's my... You know, I take my second to last turn and I draw a card and neither one of those cards are enough movement points to get my butterflies down to Mexico. I'm going to fail the game. I mean, there's other ways of getting points. Those set collection cards that I was talking about, those different colored cards, they'll give you a point each. And if you collect all of them, maybe you'll get three points at the end of the game. And there's some like like in game scoring, like during the game. But those butterflies getting to Mexico are huge. And if you don't pull the right cards at the right time, there's nothing you could do about it. And that bugged me a lot. 
Um, I'd play this game again. Uh, I didn't buy it. My cousin bought it, and it was kind of neat to watch him buy. It was his, his first board game that he bought. He has like the resistance in a couple small games. So it was the first like real board game that he bought. He learned. He taught. So that was like really cool experience to see somebody like you know um, dive into games. And I had to warn him like, careful, you buy one, <laughs> and uh, you might huh. be into some trouble. Uh, but I had a fun time playing it, except for the end, and that might that might kind of ruin it for me. The luck of the draw, to be honest. So, yeah, I looked at some new games actually this week, just uh, kind of games that I haven't have overlooked uh, over the last few months, and I looked into Mari Posses because uh, I was interested. If I'm interested in the game, I, I was just kind of. I've seen the title before. I knew kind of what the game was. I just wanted to look more into it. Basically, like I watched the game uh, play video of how to play and like what it is. It actually reminds me of a game called Koi, a very kind of similar game. Koi is very interactive, though, and it's not so much of a race like up and down. It's more like a, I guess, circular race. You're just kind of... Uh, same thing uh, hex movements to kind of collect these it's about fish in a pond and you're just collecting fish uh, very similar with like uh, your movement is on cards and you rotate left move forward kind of a little bit of programming there very light some events happen during the day uh, so yeah I, um, I was kind of actually excited about Koi and I was happy to play it at um, a random place and that's kind of what Mariposas actually reminds me of, so I can kind of tell that it's probably not going to be my super f- favorite game. I'd try it someday, though. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't think you would like it. I think the luck of the draw would bug you a lot, too. And I, I'm not sure if I like the non-interactive nature of it. I feel like there should be some kind of interaction on the boards, and that's something that I also... Yeah, really yeah. Like. I mean, literally, there's just about zero. Man. I mean, so you could play a card. There's a card that you can get that you can pull that says copy another player's card, but that doesn't do anything to them. There's no blocking there. Yeah. You know. Or I don't mean just even blocking but maybe like uh paths different paths to get to different uh, i guess the cities are there but you know like more uh something that just kind of changes things on the board maybe the way you go oh something yeah like that yeah no no there's anyway. almost no player interaction and uh you know um like I said in the last show, I don't think Wingspan is perfect, but I do like it. And I, I like Wingspan way more than this. That just Wingspan had kind of an interesting mechanism of, you know, playing cards down and building up your tableau and then, um, you know, being able to like trigger all these birds. And this one just didn't feel like it had the innovation for me. Kind of felt a little like it felt kind of like an old board game with a. With a with kind of a, like nice a roll and skin. move, but not roll, just get cards yeah. and move. Yeah, it definitely felt that way. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's not that much, but um, yeah, I I thought I was going to be interested in the game, and I looked into it more, and I was like, eh, it seems okay. Yeah, everyone yeah. else uh, that I played it with, which are casual gamers, which are moving up, I think, from the casual gamers because they're playing every single week. They all liked it, but I think they're still in that phase of every game is, yeah. is cool. Every you know? game is cool. Yeah. Yeah, uh, if it gets people into games, that's awesome. But yeah. I think for season gamers, it might be kind of... 
just okay. And I, I like the theme and I like what she does with these nature games because it does teach you a little bit about uh, what is happening and what they're doing and why. And I like that. But um, yeah, this one, I'm just kind of I'm, gl- I'm glad I I didn't purchase it myself, but I'm glad I got to pay play it as well. So that's Mariposa's. Cool. Um, over the last couple of weeks, I actually played Village and then Village Inn. Uh, finally, I've had the expansions for Village for a long time, and I finally got to play one of them at least. Uh, Village is a game by Inca and Marcus Brandt from like 2014, I think. It's pretty old now, uh, supposedly, but still a really, really good game. Um, actually, I, I was re- rereading the rulebook for it and uh, just kind of reading the rulebook for Village in. And if you do a search for Village Rules on Google, uh some kind of nasa link comes up like uh it's just pretty <laughs> weird uh and it, I, if you go to the domain it's like uh what is it called let me see i had it up here it's basically some nasa people that are just like a community or something for one of the flight centers or whatever uh they have a server i guess and they uploaded the rules there i'm guessing someone likes playing village which i found was really kind of interesting and it i guess got so popular in the google search rankings that it appears like it's like the the third or fourth hit on uh, village rules it's the third one i'm looking at it right now yeah yeah nasa.gov yeah. So anyway, uh, just kind of really surprising um, to see that. But yeah, cool game. So <laughs> as people like it, approved. But no, I mean, uh, it's a, an action selection game. It's really actually difficult to describe what the game is. Uh, it's very unique. You're basically kind of pulling cubes off the board to do actions on the board. And there's a weird timing of you have these people who get born and they live and they die and if they die from certain places on the board um so like as you're pulling cubes you might do actions which require a person to be there so you have to kind of send the person to do a job or be a councilman in the city in the village village council or be in the church or something and or go travel so Depending on where uh, they die from, there's actually a scoring at the end of the Book of Chronicles of the Village or something. Uh, and there's a mechanic where every action kind of uses up a certain amount of time. And when time kind of passes, I think it's every like 10 spaces or something, uh, a person has to die. Uh kind of a very fascinating concept i don't think like i say there's quite anything like it um it's kind of really kind of a weird drafting game i guess uh with some worker placement concepts but not really worker placement definitely doesn't feel like worker placement there's no blocking the only blocking is uh there's certain amount of cubes for actions so if you want to do an action and there's no cube there you are not doing the action <laughs> that's the, the like the cubes are out is the blocking but there's usually several cubes for most actions uh even that there's a place where you can spend three identical cubes to do an action so it's basically kind of like a resource management really game uh, resource management and optimization like production production consumption there's a the base game there's a pretty huge element of producing things and selling them to these people who come through your village their customers and there's a market day uh there's also a kind of a journeying around cities mechanic uh where you can score a lot of points 
So the base game is fine and I really like it, but it's a little bit one-dimensional. Like I say, basically you produce these goods and then you sell them to people or travel around this board. Uh, like part of the board, I guess. Uh, what Village Inn adds is a bunch of cards, actually. That's kind of pretty much it. Uh, it also adds a fifth player, I think, is what that one adds. Uh, the fifth player is okay. If you want to play it with five, I think it should work just fine. Uh, the cards are really what the interesting part of the expansion was for me. Uh, the cards are kind of very powerful. Some of them are additional things you can do. So it's just like another place on the board where you can go to get them. Uh, but they are either endgame scoring or they can power up your actions or make your actions better or you can just do better actions or you can just like shoot up certain tracks like up the church or travel more or whatever basically all kinds of really cool effects very powerful um they also kind of changed the game in a really good way as far as scoring goes i played the game uh which hardly included any selling to customers or traveling i think i traveled like two times and i sold one time to customers and i actually won the game which was kind of amazing the game was really close um usually games are pretty close in village if people know what they're doing and our game was really close but it's definitely viable to score a lot of cards basically that you get from that space uh which was really cool uh, because I was kind of tired of the base game kind of mechanics, or not just, not mechanics, mechanics are fine, uh, kind of the, the way the game goes. So I was looking for something different, and that expansion definitely delivered it. So I'm pretty excited to play it again. Uh, I looked at the port expansion as well, which replaces the travel boards, which is kind of boring right now. Basically, you spend resources to travel uh, with... Uh, pick up and deliver a mini game so basically you produce resources and then you're maybe delivering them to these islands and then maybe you get treasure from the islands or uh, like coffee and then you bring back coffee and you sell it to customers so there's like a more involved kind of a pick up and deliver mini game there kind of excited for that to happen in the future and looking forward to soon the people i played it with really liked it so hopefully we'll get to play port as well but that's like a really really cool kind of family level game i would say that i would really recommend to everyone it's like really well designed in my opinion so that's village and village in i would agree i think it's a solid design i also think that it's kind of a modern classic uh yeah and it uh, almost gives you like this like classic feeling when you play yeah. it it's almost like you're playing like i don't know it's like a really good good game it's, it's from uh, kind of older now but it's from well 2011 actually 2011 so nine years old it's pretty wow. crazy i remember our last play of this we played with our friend who at the whole game didn't seem like he got it but then he won <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah yeah i don't know i can't remember what happened during that game i think i know who it might be yeah i don't know yeah i, I like the game i like the market i like uh, everything about it it just uh I, I really enjoy this game uh all right the next game that i want to talk about i actually played with Fristo and it's uh fort from 2020 leader games based on spqf from 2018 
uh, Grant Rodick, who did uh, Cry Havoc and the original game, and the same artist as Vast, Root, and Oath, but also leader games. Uh, so this is a deck building game, but it's a deck building game where you're not playing out your entire hand, you're playing out one card, and that one card will do various things for you. Um, and the deck building is kind of weird too because it's not something, it's not like a card you need to purchase or it's not an action you need to do, it's part of a turn. So when you, what do you do when you're like collecting resources, which is pizza and toys because the, the uh, if the name of the game didn't give it away, your children like kind of trying to build up a fort, hang out with friends and get toys and pizza and do kid stuff, I guess. Um, but the various actions are going to like put resources into your stuff, which you could only ho hold four of each. You're going to use that stuff for various things, but mainly to build up your fort. And that's another thing that you could do on your turn by playing a card. You could also move your stuff into your backpack, which is just kind of an overhaul because you don't have a limit there. I'm not going to go through what all the cards do, but you can follow. And how you follow is there's different suits in the card. And the suits are very much fit the theme of the game. They're like skateboards and uh, I think glue and books. But if somebody plays a card, there's usually a public action and a private action. Not always. Sometimes it's just a private action. But if it has a public action on it, then you can play the same suit of that card and do that thing too. Um, and then at the end of your turn, you're going to, um, you're going to, all the cards that you use, because you could boost these cards up by playing similar uh, suit on it. And then those cards are going to go in your discard pile. The cards that you didn't play go in your yard. So they go in front of you. And then you're going to draft a card. Now there's a, there's a common place that has three cards that you can draft from. Or you can draft from people's yards, so the cards that they didn't play. Thematically, kids that didn't get played with, you know. So you're playing with these guys over here, and the, the other ones are like, we're going to go hang out on your front yard. And then I come along, and I go, hey, I'll play with you, and pick one of them up. Um, you're going to get p points from various things, but uh, a big one is your fort, and that's also the in-game trigger. If you build the last level of your fort, then that will trigger the end of the game, equal amount of turns. Then you add up points from various things. Now, um, the game was a lot different than I kind of expected going in. I guess leader games, I think of heavier games. This is pretty light. Uh, some of the rules might be a little difficult for new players, but I think seasoned players are going to get the rules like very easily. The gameplay is also really straightforward and very simple to me it felt like a, a a filler game that wasn't very serious and i kind of like that i like that that it's a, a a sort of weird deck building following game that's also quick easy and it's a, it's a nice filler game and i enjoyed it i actually like the theme a lot it i've was never able to build a fort when I was a kid, but this allows me to do it, kind of. You're not really building a fort, though. There's nothing visual about that. You're just, like, building up your levels, which is just a track. So there's nothing visual about that, but I do like the art on the cards. It's just, like, kids. And I kind of like the tokens, too, that it's, like, a box of toys and pizza. Um, it's kind of weird because, like, your stuff uh, isn't 
you have you have backpack and you have stuff right so is the stuff like what you're holding are you holding like a bunch of toys and a bunch of slices of pizza but the tokens are like boxes of toys and pizza i don't know i'm analyzing the theme too much but um i know that Risto felt less excited than the rest of us playing so <laughs> Let, let's let's hear no it. actually the game is fine i uh, actually i'm not sure if i liked the four player version of the game i've actually played it at two three and four now uh the four player game it was kind of really kind of chaotic uh usually if you can't follow it's pretty bad times for you and in the four player version of the game that's even worse because sometimes you can't follow multiple times uh also with four people what i found at least that's what happened to me is uh, a lot of and you as well actually uh, people were stealing from our decks oh yeah and like three people could take cards from your deck which is pretty bad actually but yeah before uh, it gets to because your turn. like at the end of the game someone was actually had the objective to collect cards i think which made it even worse but at the end of the game i think i had about six or seven cards left altogether, so <laughs> it was kind of awkward i'd basically yeah. reshuffle and every hand was the same yeah. <laughs> as the hand i previously had so uh, i don't know that was kind of a weird weird vibe uh, I basically went for a strategy which didn't work out because the cards got stolen. Um, and that's definitely a viable thing that can happen to you. But I feel like the two or three player game is maybe better than the four player game for that game in particular. Um, also, I'm not sure. The other problem I kind of have with the game is I'm not sure if the point engines really work. It feels like building your fort is pretty much the thing to do in every game. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've, I don't know. I haven't had a game where the point engines were significant. Uh, some of them, I think, like in the uh, we played a three-player game where someone got like twenty points ish from like your point engine, but the fort itself is like twenty-five or something if you finish it. So I feel like if you just do that, you're doomed to fail anyway maybe the key is doing some kind of a point engine while you're doing your fort so like i'm not sure if the game really kind of works with how short it is because the game is pretty short actually it feels like it should be maybe longer if those point engines are supposed to work right but it can be over in pretty much 10 turns or something yeah when yeah. the right follows you just like someone builds up their fort and it takes four levels up and the game's just over or five i guess yeah i should say that your your yard th those kids are available until it's your turn again and then they go in your discard pile so like what Hristo's saying is like in a three player or a four player game three people can three take people can people. take your cards and yeah we were in the same position where we had very small decks but that actually worked out in my benefit because I had a very, I would say, overpowered card where I can copy uh, a player's stuff, um, a player's bag. Well, what is it called? The um, backpack or whatever. Yeah, their backpack. So one of the players had a, like this big amount of, of, of uh, tokens in their, in their backpack and I would copy it. And then the public action was to build your fort. So I could just copy his resources, build a fort, and then I discard it. And on my next hand, I shuffle, get that card again, build my fort in the game and win. So it didn't feel like a satisfying win. And that card felt a little overpowered. However, with people stealing cards from me, it was actually benefiting me because that card came out quicker. Um, 
there was another thing I want to talk about, which completely left my brain. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to talk about is that I'm not a huge fan of the art. I actually do like the art uh, for roots, for kind of anthropomorphic animals or whatever. Uh, in this one, the little kids are just kind of weird and creepy. And yeah, it's supposed to be kind of like a childish theme, but it's not like childish, like whimsical. It's like childish, kind of weird. Uh, there's all kinds of just like really strange looking kids and stuff. And kind of kind of bizarre i guess i would say very cartoony kind of the same style but just on the weird side and the things you're collecting are toys and pizza like i don't know basically it kind of makes me want to dust off my spqf copy and really play that but maybe we should do that someday and see what yeah i would like to compare them. as an experiment i actually like the art i like the tokens uh, oh the other thing i was going to talk about is the strategy for me was a little difficult the first time i played it like what cards do I want to get? Do I want to get all the same suit and hope that that suit plays? Because if you have different suits and you're, you play one card, then your, your entire hand is going to be almost useless to you because you can't, yeah. you can't build upon that, that card that you played. So all the cards are going to go in the yard. So I was like under the impression of like, maybe if I get a, a you know, a collection of different suits, then I'll be able to follow more frequently. But then I found myself yep. only being able to play one card, putting my cards out. But then if I get just all the same suit, then I might not be following very much. So I'm, I'm, I'm like, I don't know what the best strategy is, even though I won the game, maybe it's to get that card and, and try to get people to take uh, kids from the yard. But um, either way, I'm, I'm like looking forward to more plays of it to explore it more. It, it, you know, my interest in it might go down as I play it more. I felt that it was, uh, it felt very unique the first time I was playing it. And I wonder if there is just like one or two strategies that you do and it might become stale. I don't know. Do you know the differences between the two games? Do you remember? Uh, no, that's the thing is I played SPQF just once and it was a long time ago and I can't remember. I vaguely remember it was very important to still build up your, I don't know if it's called fort or something, uh, but I just don't remember details. So I will need to reread the rules. Maybe they didn't change anything, actually. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe they just rethemed it. Um, all right. So, yeah, that was Fort, which came out this year. Cool. My um, play, I talked about a game that I was going to play or I was looking forward to a few shows ago called Hiroshima Convoy, uh, the app. Uh, and it actually came out and I actually bought it as a big fan of Portal and Ignacy and whatever. Uh, it's fine. It's basically Hiroshima Convoy. It's a two-player game where uh, it's one of those games where there's things in the middle and you play cards on each side and you try to basically, it's like a tug of war of, in this case, cities. There's a convoy that's going through different cities. One side is the outpost and the other one is Moloch. Moloch is a bunch of machines who are trying to get to New York and destroy it. And you're the outpost trying to prevent that from happening. Uh, so it's a convoy of machines that you're trying to like ambush and stop. Uh, basically a lot of kind of combos, kind of very powerful effects. Uh, a lot of the cards are kind of like when it comes in, you kill another card from the other side. Uh, basically it's a tug of war for a series of battles that happen. The cool thing 
uh, about it was that there's an app coming out, and yeah, the app works just fine. I feel like the AI is kind of a little bit dumb, so I hope they update it. Also, the music is pretty atrocious when you actually play the game. Uh, the menu <laughs> music is actually just fine. The game music has these like brass ridiculous overdone horns and it just gets really annoying so i basically turned it down uh but the game works fine i'm really happy to play uh play it because it's kind of harder to find uh just one other person that's interested in that type of game to play it in real life so i'm happy that it's an app now uh, I still like it. I knew what the game was coming in. The app works fine. I did have a weird uh, crash, actually. Not crash, but the game kind of like... Uh, there's a problem <laughs> in this in a specific situation. I'm not going to go into it, but I think I'll submit a report, actually, and see what they say about it. And we'll see if it keeps happening. Uh, not really game-breaking too much, but it... It, it is a situation which come, might come up for other people, but I bet it will get fixed. It's a brand new release from about a week ago or two weeks ago, so I'm guessing they're going to fix it up and make it better. I hope they improve the AI as well. Uh, also, there's no difficulty with the AI. I think it's just like AI. <laughs> there's no like hard, easy, or medium or whatever, and yeah. Maybe it's learning. It's, it's it's learning huh? your strategy as you go. <laughs> oh yeah, I'd be really impressed if it's a uh, really it's, AI. Yeah, AI, if it's learning, whatever learning, uh, computer learning, <laughs> or machine learning AI, that'd be amazing. But I doubt it. Well, is this so? Is this an app you played on your phone? Yeah, yeah, I played it on my phone. It's a very simple game, so it works really fine. You have to read some text on cards. I feel like after a few plays, you'll pretty much memorize what the cards do mostly uh the text is large enough though it works very well very well on a phone you don't really need an applet or anything uh no, 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 not an applet a, a tablet is what i meant uh phones work okay a very kind of straightforward game do you have the physical copy from 2012 yep okay. i have a physical copy as well yeah i've played it only like two times i think in real life so yep uh, I have another question too, only relating to portal games. If you know, does Ignacy design every portal game? Uh, he used to design a lot of them, uh, but now he publishes some. And actually, some of them that he's published have not been a great success, in my opinion. Uh, for example, Alien. Uh, artifacts I think it's called oh, yeah. alien artifacts uh, it was a game kind of very inspired by 51st state in that system but designed by two completely different people from outside of portal they submitted it to portal and portal liked it I guess and published it and I did not like the game at all um, yeah. also uh, there was this um, Actually, there's another Polish designer, Michael Orach, or whatever it's, he's, uh, he's called. I'm not sure if he actually is affiliated with Portal. I know they published Hiroshima Hex by him. So they've published games not by Ignacy as well, but not many, I guess. And I think pers he personally reviews them. Basically, he kind of runs, obviously, the publisher. So if you submit an idea to him and it kind of fits, like, Hiroshima Hex is basically in the same universe as most of his other games so like if it fits obviously their thing he might publish it but uh not just games by him no okay 
All right, the next and final game that I'm going to talk about is another game that I played with Risto and two others, and then I played it a two-player game two times after that. It's The Magnificent, which came out in 2019. However, I think that it got its U.S. release this year, at least the first time I saw it available, which I have been paying attention, has been this year recently. It's the, Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's the same designers as Santa Maria and Avenue of Kokoro, or Avenue, just Avenue, and Capital Lux. Did you know it's the same designers of Capital Lux? Uh Kokoro Avenue of the Kodama or something. Is yeah, it, is or, or the original one was just called Avenue or Avenues. Just Avenue? That's weird. Yeah. Uh, they I didn't it. realize Capital Lux was actually done by uh, them, no. Yeah. And side note, Capital Lux 2 Generations is coming out and Capital Lux 2 Pocket. <laughs> just a yeah, streamlined version of it. it. Oh, I nice. Never, I never said anything about it, but basically I remember how Capital Lux works with four set things in the middle. Mm -hmm. Basically, it's like dynamic in the middle. So now every role does something different every game. Oh, cool. Um, I, I like these th this team of designers. They're, they're, uh, I like every game that I've played by them, which is the ones that I named. And so I was really looking to, forward to The Magnificent which was sort of their like bigger game follow-up to Santa Maria. However, uh, don't think Santa Maria when you think about this game because there's not much similarities except for uh, dice drafting, really. Uh, so the theme of it is... Now, I I even look, checked in the rule book and it doesn't say what type of shows you're putting on, if it's a circus or, or what. It's intense and it's like you're putting on performances. It's kind of ambiguous. But in the game, you're drafting dice and you have these what they're called master cards that are that are in front of you. And everybody has four. And in the beginning of the game, you'll draft them. You'll draft one pass. That's kind of the advanced version of the game, but I would highly recommend it. And, and then uh, throughout the game, you're going to draft one more that you're going to take into your pile. And then you'll end up discarding one that you're going to score. But they have these top actions where you'll put your dice... And they'll do various things for you. They're just bonus actions. Like one might add a couple pips to it. One might actually turn the physical dice. One might give you a gem because you have gems. Um, and then you're going to actually take an action, which the action could be build, which is a polyomino style game on your board, which are um, in their polyomino shaped pieces, but they're actually tense thematically. And they come in different colors. And the, the dice, I should say, are different colors as well. And they're going to coordinate with these pieces. And actually with a lot of stuff that you're doing. If you draft an orange dice, then you're going to probably do something with orange pieces. And in this case, a build, you're going to build orange uh, pieces, which come in different shapes. And there's a big and a large. Uh, big and a large. A big and a small. <laughs> uh, a big, big and, and a really big. No, just a small and a big. And uh, what you're going to do is, depending on the, the pips of your dice and different ways to mitigate the dice, like, for instance, you could put it on the uh, bonus card that will be, like, plus two if you draft a green dice. And if it's a green dice, then maybe you drafted a five. So now it's a seven. Also, with the gems, the colored gems, if you discard them the same color as the dice, they're going to add two more pips to power. You're building up this power, basically, trying to get uh, better actions through it. So if you 
build with a higher power, you're going to be able to build more pieces. And there are various pieces, and it just says it on your board. So, like, I think it's three power will build you a small piece, five power will build you, build you a big piece. But then as you go through, you're going to be able to build, say, like a big piece and two small pieces. And that's really important because when you put them on the board, um, which you'll put them on the board anywhere starting, and then they have to be adjacent to each other, building off of them. Um, they're going to be certain things on the board that you cover up and you get. So you might be drafting a poster card, which I'll talk about in a little bit, or you might get more gems. You might get these trainer pieces and the trainer pieces are going to allow you to put them during your turn on various other bonus actions to boost up your turn essentially everyone will have some personal ones too but there's public ones on the board and the second action that you can do is has left my head uh travel travel that's right and traveling is going to depend on what color dice you pick so it's just the circle right with a with like a caravan or a cart and it's going clockwise and it's going to be colored gems and most importantly these other tokens which are what are they what are they considered they're they're uh are those uh, tents just, those are, are called tents. tents yeah yeah those are called tents too um anyway uh the power is going to say how many times you can like how many spaces you can um, go i was going to say the camp uh they're called camp tiles, the polyomino tiles. Oh, okay. Those are they're called camps. Camp, camps versus tents. And tents. But they both are tents, though, essentially, right? Yep. I mean, like, art-wise. Uh, anyway, when you're when you're traveling around, you're going to be getting uh, gems, and then you're going to be getting these tents. Um, on, and, and then the last thing you could do is perform, which is kind of the big thing that you're trying to do. And depending on... Now you don't care about the color of the dice. Now you just want it to be super high. And um, you're going, why do you want it to be high? Because it's going to say how many performances you can do in one turn. You do performances by getting these poster cards. And these poster cards are just like recipe fulfillment. And the fulfillment that you need to do, the requirements, is those um, camps on your board. They don't have to be arranged in a certain way. They just have to be those uh, specific things. So you could do multiple ones at once if you build up your power to, to do your performance, and then you'll get points for them. Um, at the end of the round, you're gonna have to pay for these dice. So you're not just like drafting willy-nilly, you're thinking about money, and money is really the only thing you're gonna do with money is pay for this dice. There's another trainer spot where you can pay two bucks to top deck a poster card. I think that's kind of a waste of an action personally, but mostly what the money's gonna do is pay for the dice. And how you pay for the dice is you kind of just sum up um, what's higher of the colors that you drafted. So if I drafted uh, two green and two orange and the green sum up seven and the, the orange sum up uh, nine, then I'm paying for those. I'm paying nine bucks. But there's clear dice too. And those clear dice are wild. So you can use them as any dice. And I should say when you're drafting dice, the previously drafted dice of that color add to your power. So it's kind of encouraging you to go uh, one color. However, uh, the price you have to pay is going to be higher. These clear dice, you have to pay for all of them, no matter what, on top of your colored dice. So, uh, that's pretty much it. <clears throat> I did find this game to be quite interesting. I really liked it a lot. 
the way you get cards is through sort of just this market of cards that are out that you'll just draft through various actions. Uh, the poster cards, the recipe fulfillment. And I did find that a little troubling. However, I think that I was going for a strategy that was really working against that aspect of the game because you're going to have these... Uh, uh, on the bonus cards, on the master cards, uh, another big way of scoring is they have scoring conditions on the bottom of them. You choose one every round to do in full. And at the end of the game, you choose one to do in full again, and then you do half points on the rest of them. And a lot of these cards are... Uh, set collection as far as the poster goes like um, have like green posters or different names or such and so that could be problematic when you're playing if you're going heavy on that strategy because uh, it's kind of luck of what comes out and I have played in the, in the two-player game trying to find one more one or two more greens and I top deck twice and didn't get greens so that's always problematic in games but there's other scoring opportunities and you could actually ignore those cards and go in a different direction i found it to be interesting i like the puzzly nature of the polyaminos and trying to figure out ways to boost up my powers to have bigger turns and what i was what i found to be at fault of my own as well is i every game i played i tried to do like four posters and one, no, five in my last game. And that just took me like most of the game to do. And I lost. <laughs> but but to me, that's, that's really fun to see um, how to like get all these posters and fulfill them all at once. And uh, while trying to uh, complete the objectives on those master cards. So I found it to be actually a very enjoyable game. Uh, I would say compared to Santa Maria even though they're different games completely, completely different feel, different look, all of that. Um, but they're by the same designer, so I'll compare them. How I feel about it is I like it better than base game Santa Maria, but not Santa Maria with the module expansions. If I'm adding the module expansions to Santa Maria, I like that game better. But if I'm comparing the base games, I like uh, the Magnificent better. However, they have announced uh, an expansion for the Magnificent, so... We'll wait and see how that is. But, uh, Risto, how'd you feel about it? Hmm. I'm actually kind of curious what the expansion will do. Um, so what happened actually with the Magnificence for me is I played it like four times now. And, uh, the first two times was just really bad fumble through the game and me trying to do some kind of a weird optimization of the game or whatever in the wrong way, I feel. Um, I think we finally we I played it the third time a few days ago and it finally I finally had like a pretty good game I would say not the most amazing game I've ever had but pretty good um, and I actually played it solo yesterday I just wanted to see what it was and um, just kind of very the, the rules were super easy uh, basically you play uh, the same game there's an action you can do where you can discard a card to get a to roll an extra die before each of your turns which is really weird that's the biggest difference and there's some dummy hats which kind of steal randomly those drafted cards from you uh depending on where you are on the performance track uh but 
I feel like the game actually kind of the more I play it, the more kind of one-dimensional it becomes. I feel like the whole money thing is a little bit weird in the game because I feel like the game is pretty much all about getting just really high dice. That's, I think, what it comes down to. Uh, the solo game I played, I got like 226, which was uh, 240 is supposed to be like super outstanding and over 200 is a win by having 18, 18, 18 uh, pretty much every round. I feel like you can't really afford to optimize because the game is so ridiculously short. Um, so you end up, I feel like, just getting the really high dice. That's just kind of what it's about. And if you need a different color, because they build on top of each other, so you do like 6, 12, 18 uh, power of action. And if you need different colors, I think the way to do it is with trainers, uh, different building tiles. And once you just build so much, the cards actually become less significant. So the comments I had about luck with cards are kind of less important uh, because you can pretty much build anything if you have three build if you do like three building actions per round uh and you can just yeah not worry about col colors really because you're gonna get trainers from your board and you're gonna be just fine um i feel like it's interesting yeah to think about what you can do in the game but ultimately what you can do is unfortunately dictated by luck sometimes. There's several sources of luck which I feel like are pretty significant. The first one is what cards you end up with as actions in the beginning of the game. Uh, the second one is uh, actually what dice get rolled because I feel like if certain situation, situations come up, uh, even though you can, there's an action where you can flip a 1 to a 6 uh, or 2 to a 5, basically flip the die, I feel like some roles kind of favor who was first or who was second, I guess, in the drafts. Because, again, I feel like it's all about just the high numbers. I feel like the low numbers are just bad. But I don't know. Uh, maybe as I play more, I'll discover something different. Um, yeah, it's kind of, an, kind of a weird game. Um, I, I feel like there's not really... I mean, there's two actions you can do. You're either either building or traveling. That's it. Uh, performance is basically kind of cash out for points. Yeah. And most of the time, you're really building. So you're just like build, 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 and then perform, build, 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 perform. Once in a while, travel to get a tent and get gems. Uh, it's it's fine. It's a fine game. I enjoyed my plays of it. I'm kind of starting to question how long-term, like, uh interest i'm going to have in the game i actually feel like santa maria is kind of like a deeper game as far as strategies to pursue and just oh, kind of decisions you make more roads to success in that one yeah there's also more things you can do like basically it's not just like build <laughs> it's like uh you build the build is really a side action in that one it's like run the roll or column and the sequence that you run in santa maria is like way more interesting i think of a decision than uh uh, in the order you run, then basically which tiles am I going to get? Yeah, I mean, it could, it could be more satisfying, right? Because you built an engine in Santa Maria and you run yeah. these dice and, yeah. and you've done this. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's what I. That's maybe what it comes down to. Santa Maria is more of, more of an engine building game. I feel like uh, The Magnificent is more like kind of 
optimize some kind of action sequence and then just move on to the next action sequence and hopefully align your goals with what you're doing. I think actually that's the biggest struggle is aligning your goals with what you're doing so everything lines up so you can build and perform while doing your personal goals. Uh, ideally, that's also where the luck is. Your personal goals uh, that you drafted work well because otherwise you're not going to have a good game. I think that's kind of what it comes down to. But uh, anyway, I feel like Santa Maria is actually just a better, like more deeper strategic game than the Magnificent. So I'm kind of curious what the expansion will add. Maybe it will add like a different action or something you can do, something more, which I feel like the game might actually need. I can tell you what it does. Uh, it's called Snow, um, S-N-O, O with the uh, with the slash in it. Uh, mm. it, um, <clears throat> it says it's coming out in 2020, which might mean uh, 2021 for us in the in the in the states. So, what is it? The expansion introduces Snow, which is a new performer with her own camp tiles and poster cards. You can now play the game with up to five players. Uh, new master cards provide new types of bonuses and new ways to score. New trainer tiles provide new ways to tweak your actions. The optional master board module gives each player a special action each round. And then there is more, it says. It sounds like Santa Maria did with their expansion, which was add modules. Um, and that would be great. I think that would be great. I mean, there's not that's that's not a ton of information. Except yeah. that it comes with some more polyamino pieces, um, but uh, it looks like it ha might have modules. Yeah, I'm looking at the components, and actually the biggest one that I'm interested in is this master action or whatever you can do every turn. I feel like more cards, more polyominoes, and more trainer tiles is okay. Like, I'm not against it. It should mm -hmm. be fine, but it doesn't fundamentally change the game. You know, the game's yeah. probably going to be pretty much the same. Right. Uh, except I'm interested what the new module is going to be. Yeah, two new player boards. It's a... It's a up to five player game now so what's the two yep. new player boards probably uh, probably variability yeah. so you can choose like i don't oh, know deal yeah. a random deal yeah. a random board to everyone you right because it has some asymmetry to it if you play yep. on the, the the second side of it yeah that's true cool yeah so that's uh the magnificent i guess i'll just mention a couple of games which i'm they're more kind of looking forward to, um, along with our looking forward to sections. I actually just finished playing Circadian's First Light, which is a dice placement game. Uh, you roll a bunch of dice and then you place them. Um, there's a little bit of tableau, not really tableau building, a little bit of an engine building aspect to the game. Uh, you produce off of a board and you kind of have tiles that might produce in front of you a little bit like uh, uh minutes to midnight whatever that series of game is called games is called style you know where you have buildings uh yeah, energy empire yeah gosh what is what is yeah, that um it's uh gosh i can't remember yeah i can't either. it had that whole series has a specific name and i can't remember what it is but basically it has to do with buildings in front of you and uh, you can activate them to get the, the manhattan project 
Manhattan Project, yeah, yeah that Manhattan Project series, or Anachrony, where you again you can have buildings which activate in front of you. Uh, pretty cool game, actually. I played the Soul Variant, which has an AI. The AI was okay. I feel like it it blocks randomly kind of some spaces from you and uh, trolls the resource production board a little bit by stealing resources from it and stuff. It's okay. I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, I don't know how it's gonna happen. Uh, in real life, I played it on tabletop. I actually don't have the game. Oh, I was yeah, wondering I was, if I should buy it. I was it. gonna ask. Kind of a really, the game has really high reviews. It's by uh, what's it called? What's it called? Not Sham Phillips, but the guy that he works with. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, that's that's all I can remember. Uh, maybe Phil something. Gosh, I can't remember his name. Um, S. J. McDonald. S. J. McDonald. Yeah, uh, kind oh. of a game that flew under the radar, I feel. A lot of people didn't really kind of look at it even, I think. Uh, very cool concept, I think. Uh, but I haven't played too many dice placement games, so I don't know how it compares. Uh, yeah, I would like to play it. I'm not sure if the solo play made me want to buy it right now. But that's Circadian's first light. Maybe yeah, I'll talk about uh, it in the future someday. Sam McDonald, yeah, he co-designed uh, the the uh, architects and paladins, the West Kingdom series. He co-designed. Yeah, yeah, it's also published by the same publisher as them. So Shem uh, published it, but it's not designed by him. Sam Phillips did the art. I don't know if that's if he's related to Shem Phillips. You know, I actually did look huh. at this game. Uh, I found it in a game trade magazine and you know what I thought of it just looking at it was like a like an area control type type game uh like what am I thinking I'm thinking of uh uh those games that get played in our gaming group that we don't typically play um trying to think of an example what <laughs> like Inish or something? What do you no, mean? No 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 kind them? of on the same level as those but hold on I'm trying to think of the name um, anyway, if you're looking at the board and it has hexes, it has no area control whatsoever. Okay, yeah. Actually, the board is very kind of weird. All it is is what you're producing at the end of each round, and there's no blocking even. So two people can be in the same space and produce the exact same thing. So it kind of gets more powerful as you go towards the edges of the board. So you start in the middle where there's not much stuff to be had but the further you venture out the further you explore and you get more and more and more resources so it's like a passive kind of production actually that's kind of the theme of the game is it kind of starts very slow but by the end of the game because of that harvester that you've pushed to some edge of the board and because the buildings you have in front of you and you have more dice you're just kind of like producing these like huge pumps of resources and then you're spending them for points so that's kind of how it goes Anyway, I don't know if you wanted to say anything about Sham Phillips or whatever. No, no, no. I'm good. Uh, the other thing that I played, uh, another solo to be played with other people, is a game I got from Kickstarter called Mind Burners. Uh, very kind of weird, kind of darker, cyber, cyber horror-themed uh, Megaland. Uh, basically, it's the same concept as Megaland by uh, Ryan Lockett. It's not a 2D scroller, but yeah, you go through a dungeon and you might uh, meet some monster that hurts you, or you might meet something cool that gives you a victory point. There are cards instead of buildings. In Megaland, you build buildings for abilities. 
in uh, mind burners you get energy you can you can spend it on cards a lot of which are take that but i feel like that's fine in a push your luck game basically it's all about kind of like you're going through a dungeon and are you going to stay or are you going to leave and if you stay there's a risk and a higher reward if you're successful or really you fail if you fail the solo game is basically just you have six runs to win the game it was fine i just wanted to see how the game works um, i'm really excited actually to play it with people uh it should be a kind of a cooler version of megaland in my opinion i like megaland okay but i felt like it was missing something so hopefully mind burners is a very 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 simple game Hopefully, my burners is uh, good. It's also like uh, like video game theme too, right? Just like uh, Mega Land was. Yeah, yeah. It has like a weird like retro eight bit cyber yeah, horror like theme. Nintendo, so Nintendo you meet like weird monsters with tentacles and like a totem cyber totem or something. With it, it has a really cool art as well. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks it looks pretty cool actually. Looks like a Nintendo uh, game. Like the the actual box itself, like really looks very Nintendo-ish. Yeah. yeah, it's super simple, super kind of lights and uh, kind of high take that push your luck game. But it should be fun for ten minutes, <laughs> which is sure. what I got it for. And that's all the games I had. All right, so then that was some games played. So moving on, we'll be talking about some upcoming games. All right, so we decided to slightly change the name because I don't always feel like I'm looking forward to the games I talk about. I'm just <laughs> curious about them, right? Because I look at these games and, uh, yeah, some of them I'm j I just want to talk about because they're interesting, right? But uh, so upcoming games from now on. All right, so here we go. All of these games are actually out right now. And in fact, let's talk about the first one, which is Hagakure which is not only out, but it's out on my shelf right now. It's from Studio H. It's a trick-taking game. So I love trick-taking games. I really do. And in fact, trick-taking games may be the only type of game that I will blind buy if I know that it's a trick-taking game. Just being in the store and going, oh, that's a trick-taking game? Sure, I'll get it. That's what I did with this one. Usually, typically, they're small boxes and they're cheap and they're fast and easy to learn. Most of the time, most of the time. Um, in this case, definitely cheap and small and easy to learn. So the game is like, you only have two suits. Um, it's Japanese themed. You have villagers, which are blue, and you have samurais, which are red. And the only rules is when you play a card, if, you, if a, the first player plays a samurai card, a red card, then everyone must follow if they can with Samurai. But if you play a blue card, which are villagers, then you could play anything you want. Uh, the villagers are on the lower spectrum of the numbers. I think they're like 1 through 17, and then the Samurais are like 8 through 27, something like that. And you'll be taking out cards depending on player count. Then you have a Fool, who is 0 if no one else plays it, but it's a Trump otherwise if it's the latest card played so if Risto plays a fool and i play a fool on top of it i'm going to trump it but if somebody else plays a fool then it trumps everything else there's only three in the game though uh you shuffle up the cards and you deal them out 
depending on player count, then you're going to have a stack of cards, small stack of cards in the middle of the game for some other purposes. It seems really straightforward. The only like, I guess you call it innovation is there's tokens. And before each round, every player going in player order chooses whether or not they want to play one of these tokens. So these tokens are various things like you can double the points that you get on your tricks. And I should say that you're just getting like one point per trick minus two points if you don't take any tricks. So you can double your points if you after you look at your hand. So you could see the information. Okay, I think I have a great hand. I'm going to play the two-pointer. Uh, not two-pointer, uh, sorry, doubling the points. And then there's another one where if you can, if you win four villagers out of all your tricks and you get an extra two points. Um, and the Yami is the little pile of cards in the, in the middle. It means land of the dead. Uh, so you can exchange your cards with the Yami, your whole hand with the Yami. All right. These are the tokens that I'm kind of like makes me nervous about the game. All right. So one of the tokens is you can just take zero points. Now, I guess if you look at your hand and it looks terrible, then you could put this in so you don't take the minus two points. But even if you get tricks, you're still getting zero points. That's a little funny to me. The other one that's funny to me is you can, well, you can, you could choose this token and you could look at the Yami, which is fine. But what the heck is it going to do to you if you can only play one token? Now you can't exchange it. You're like, wow, that's really good. Wish I would have exchanged it instead. Or instead of looking at the Yami, you could look at another player's hand, which I don't think I like that either. The art looks really nice in it. The cards are nice. They're big. They're linen finish. It looks like a nice production. Just reading through the rules, I question whether or not I should blind buy trick-taking games. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played it. I don't know. Maybe there's something that I'm missing that I'll only get from playing it, right? But it seems just kind of like mediocre and pretty simplistic and nothing really that cool about it. You haven't even played it yet. Now, no, I'm I haven't. No, I haven't. Page and actually like wait one at five. That's making me scared, but we'll see. <laughs> no, it's really simple. Like it's it's just a yeah. like a page really of of, uh, of rules. But we'll see. I mean, I'm. The, uh, the another thing about it is how quick they are so it's like it says 20 minutes on the box you probably could play faster than that so i'm not too worried about it if it's a dud uh another game uh that i'm looking forward to or that's just an upcoming game uh is truffle shuffle now this is from the design trio that brought us point salad from aeg this is also from aeg point salad was a really 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 simplistic game that I actually enjoyed as a filler game, as sort of this dumb game where you're trying to optimize points. Um, this one is also a card drafting game, but what's what got my attention on this is it's the card drafting that's similar to Seven Wonders, where you kind of have this pyramid of cards and some of the cards are face down. And so when you draft a card that frees up a card, it flips. So I really like that in Seven Wonders Duel and uh, this just looks, uh, it, it's it's set collection as well. Um, so it, really simple. It looks like the very same weight as Point Salad, but I think it's fine um, as a filler game. Um, on, on that note, these trio of designers is coming out with a game called Dollars to Donuts, this time by Crafty Games. 
Uh, I think this design trio just likes food and treats because all of their all yeah. <laughs> their own games are all like salad and truffles and now donuts. Anyway, the last game I want to talk about is Clask Four. Um, if you played the first Clask, don't worry, you didn't miss out on Clask Two and Three. This is simply a four-player version. <laughs> <laughs> um, Priesto and I actually saw this in the game store we were in, and we were trying to figure out, right, like how does a four-player game work? Well, I looked into it, and you're not earning points like you are in Clask. You're actually trying to keep points, and I, I I I love that concept because I was like, how do you play four player if you're if you're trying to gain points? What if I hit my the ball and it hits your you know paddle and goes in? Like, how do you determine points? But you're trying you're just trying not to lose points. So everybody starts with five points, and anytime you get scored on, you lose a point. And that's it. And there, there's there's now five of these biscuit magnets in there. So a little bit more chaotic. It's four players. It's a round board. <laughs> and it should be pretty funny if you get like three or four in your area and all of them are around you. That'd be pretty pretty bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and another thing that I thought might be problematic with the game is player elimination. Like, what if I get to zero? And then you guys have to play three? Just go to minus three. <laughs> You know, you go minus or do you go minus? No. What happens is when somebody gets the zero, the game stops and whoever has the most points wins. Oh, I see. And ties are just shared victories. So, um, you know, anticlimactic maybe. But uh, I think I'm going to get this. It's a little more than than regular Clask, but I just really want to experience. I love Clask. Like I really I used to have Clask tournaments at my house. We used to host horror movie nights. And the people that would come over early, we'd have these class tournaments. It was great. So uh, I'm really interested in seeing how this works, four-player game. I imagine it's going to be very much like class, but more chaotic. And uh, uh, that losing points thing is interesting. They they found a way to make it four players, and I think it might work. So I'm lo- looking forward to trying it. And it's out now, and that's Clask 4. And that's all the games I'm going to talk about. Cool. Yeah, a lot of them are actually... Um, they look very interesting. I'm interested to try the trick-taking game. I wasn't actually going to mention it, but we're, I'm thinking about playing uh, Joraku tomorrow, which is a trick-taking area majority game. So that should be interesting. Uh, if we end up playing it, we'll see. So, yeah, uh, the games that I was looking forward to actually as i had uh, mari possess is not looking forward to which is kind of funny <laughs> to your point uh, game that i looked at and mm-hmm. kind of was curious about but ended up kind of probably not gonna like it so much um actually uh, another game that i wasn't really gonna talk about but when you were talking about the santa maria people they designed a game called the rebel Knox, which i don't know if you've looked at before a lot of people say that it's like the reviews are like it's a disaster it doesn't work um i kind of want to try it in a weird way it has the same art as capital lux and it's a trick-taking social deduction game oh weird so there's like hidden themes which i think shift depending on who takes the tricks or something basically there's a bunch of really weird rules where um, 
like your identities and your team i think changes the game goes on from what i've heard uh yeah like i say a lot of people say it's is broken which <laughs> makes me kind of want to try it even more because i really kind of trust those designers and i really like capital lux i think it's a really cool game and uh well, yeah i don't know if i don't know if they can design like a broken game i'm kind of hoping that people are like missing something or they just didn't like it uh, maybe um, have you played trails of, of tukana really no oh, okay i thought i've heard you talk about it before no, I actually, yeah, I was looking at their list of their games, and that's one of them as well, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. It's like a flip and write or something. I'm not fond of uh, flip and write games, so I usually kind of ignore them a little bit, so I'm not surprised I uh, missed it. I think I've seen Offshore as well. Um, maybe I was looking at it a, a year ago or something, but i never was around a physical copy so yeah yeah another game that i might be interested from them uh but i actually looked at a bunch of new games like i say that are coming out and a game that i'm kind of really interested in trying not necessarily rushing out to buy but i think i'll end up with it eventually is yukon airways uh to me that's actually almost like a not better but more what i was expecting out of a game like Mariposas. Basically, it's a pick-up-and-deliver. Kind of racing as well, uh, but it's kind of engine-building as well in the way that you have a lot of things that you can kind of improve. Uh, you're flying an airplane and you're delivering people to different places in the Yukon, um, like real places. I guess it's historical or something. Some places still exist. Some of them are probably pretty run down disappeared by now mining towns or something i don't know what they were when they were there maybe they're still there actually i don't know maybe i just haven't heard of them but uh, canadian places but you're picking up people and you're dropping them off in different cities there's cards you can play which kind of enhance your actions and there's a lot of planning in the game from what i hear so much so that uh people say that the AP in the game is significant if you play with AP prone people, which actually sounds really good to me because I really like games where you have a lot of options and you can plan different things and there's a lot of things to worry about and a lot of ways to go, which sounds like uh, is what the game is. Uh, you can focus on different scoring opportunities as well, uh, not just delivering people. There's other things you can push. Uh, or you can deliver like a lot of short routes, I think, or one or like longer routes. Basically, there's a lot of different things you can do. Uh, the theme looks really good to me. The game looks really good to me. I'm not sure if I'm going to buy it in the short term, but I'd really like to try it. And that's Yukon Air Airways. Uh, the other random thing is uh, there was a game I played at SaltCon last year and I really liked. And for some reason, I was looking at games and it popped up somewhere and I looked it up and there was a sale going on at Miniature Market. So it's like the first game I bought in a year from <laughs> Miniature Market. I was looking at my account and the last thing I bought was like Christmas last year or something, mm -hmm. uh, which is Old West Empresario. Um, Old West Empresario is almost like... Mm, yeah, I don't know. It's a 
tile building game where you build a city and you activate the city with dice drafting the way you build it is by dice drafting is all well. basically it's a dice drafting game but it's also a tableau engine building game um and actually i really liked my one play of it uh, which was just a two-player game i think it might work even better with three or four uh just because of more dice and more interaction uh a lot of people's criticisms are like it doesn't do anything new or something i've seen that before to me actually it was kind of really cool i don't know if i've seen exactly a game like that there's city building games like suburbia and whatever um, i don't know if i've seen a dice driven game like that exactly before uh and also kind of tableau combo building i think suburbia is kind of like you're building up scoring in a way this is more like you're running kind of engines on your on your on your tableau which was really cool so yeah i'm looking forward to getting it and playing playing it again uh so that's old west empresario and that's pretty much all the games i had yeah so it's i mean it, thematically it's a follow-up to pioneer days right but it's it's only uh actually i it feels completely different from pioneer days yeah maybe thematically it is yeah i did not like pioneer days so much it was kind of a little bit clunky i feel like it should have been maybe developed more to so so to speak this one was just completely different uh, yeah different i think it's in, the same I, I think it's the same artist it's definitely the same publisher and yep. i mean in pioneer yeah. days you're you're trying to get to uh, the town and now you're in the town and building right so yep yeah, definitely the same uh, artist. Yeah, I looked it up. But uh, yeah, I didn't like Pioneer Days at all either. So that's why I feel like I skipped this one when I saw it. But uh, it, but it sounds interesting. So yeah, cool. It's not that I didn't like it. It just felt like a little bit clunky and just kind of weird. I don't know. It just felt like I'd bad stuff was again. happening to you all the time. And you're just mitigating that the entire time. That's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's I, a, it it feels kind of like harvest actually from them i don't know if harvest oh, is from yeah. them but it's another like kind of a unrestrained game in some ways and a little bit rough around the edges but it kind of works in a weird way that's kind of how i would describe it yeah. uh old west Empire felt like to me a little bit more polished in a way gotcha and that's our show. So we'd like to thank you for listening, and we'd like to thank Kirsten Adams for designing our logo. You could find her art at Cat Coffee. That's K-A-T-C-O-F-F-E-E -E on Instagram. Also like to thank Lindsay Hobbs for composing our theme. And Cards and Cubes is a production of Pod Cauldron. Uh, find some other great podcasts from the Pod Cauldron Network, including Bub Club, a horror movie podcast, and Rabble Rabble Rabble, a comedic look at current events and we will see you in a couple of weeks